1: And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your dog. We're still trying to grow this thing. And we do want feedback. You know, one of the things that is really difficult about starting a podcast is I don't know what I'm doing wrong or what is annoying to people. I'm just saying things and using my normal cadence and talking. So if there are things that are annoying you and you want me to change, you need to put that in the review so that I have an idea what it is. Like, I'm not gonna tell you you have to give me a five star review, but if you give us lower than five stars, I'd like to think that you can tell us what it is that made you rate us below five stars because that's how we get better. So thanks everyone that's in here on YouTube. Thanks everyone who listens to the podcast. We're gonna keep it going. And in this segment, we are gonna talk about the player, like I said, that we are not talking about nearly enough. And when we do talk about him, we are saying his name wrong. And that player is none other than Nephi Sewell. All right? Everyone on the Saints beat, everyone I have heard talk about this guy since he got here has called him Nephi. It is N-E-P-H-I. I kind of blame blame the Saints on this one, though, because his name is not on the pronunciation chart. No, and they, they heard us saying it wrong. They could have easily just texted us and been like, hey, guys, can you talk about this guy and say his name right? But we didn't know until... Uh, I can't remember who asked the question, but someone asked Eric Wilson, a linebacker, yeah. about Nephi, quote unquote Nephi, and he said, "Oh, Nephi," and everyone was like, "What?" <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and <laughs> and I was, I guess, like, I guess we've all been saying his name. Every single one of us,
0: every single reporter was saying his name wrong. Uh, so anyway, it's after Nephi. I, Su- after I heard that too, I had to go back and like look at post interviews from him in college to see if maybe that Eric Wilson was wrong. No, it, it is correct. Yeah. I looked Not. up his
1: highlight reel. The When I'm trying to re- figure out how to pronounce someone's name that I don't encounter very often, that's I usually go to like their highlight packages and wait for right. the announcer to say, it, cause the announcers are usually
0: right. And uh, yeah, Nephi, they say it. We just never, no one ever thought to go check. It, it, and I'm, I know it annoys you too. Alvin Kamara gets butchered so many times by even announcers or uh, national host, and I, I don't get it at all.
1: Well, that's that's a good one, though, because I use that as kind of like a litmus test for whether I should care about what you're saying or not, because if you come at me and say, Alvin Kamara, and... then I know that you don't pay that much attention to the Saints, and I don't have to listen to your opinion because it's going to be wrong. Um, <laughs> and then, said, so, but like some, a lot of people who do pronounce correctly are wrong, too, so it's, you know, peop- there's nothing stopping you from being wrong, but it's Kamara. At least and, get the guy's name right, right. Yeah, and I I think that being able to pronounce the names correctly is like a really good indicator of how much you pay attention. I always felt that way. That's why I went out of my way to ask Alante Taylor how we pronounce his name, and he was like, instead of telling us, he just said, call me Tay. So anyway, there we have it. But okay, let's get back to Nephi. I'm going to say it wrong at least once in this podcast, but I'll try to catch myself. Nephi, Nephi, Nephi. Why do I think we're not talking about him enough? Well, the last two days, he's been getting first-team reps in all of right. these drills, and... That's significant. That's not something to overlook. He's going out there and lining up next to Mario Davis. You have Marshawn Lattimore and Paulson Adebo on the outside. You have Tyron Matthew and Marcus May behind him, and you have the first team defensive line. Every other first team player is out there, and then you're throwing this UDFA from Utah, which the Saints, for whatever reason, love the state of Utah. You know, we got Taysom Hill, you got Chase Hansen, uh, Daniel Sorensen's also BYU. You got guys from Idaho, you got guys, they just love that part of the country, apparently. But he's up there, he's getting those reps, and that's not just a coincidence. It's because they've seen things throughout these preseason games, and he has played well in the preseason games. He's been getting kind of the later reps, and I would expect to see him get earlier in the rotation against the Chargers. But I think that we're definitely not talking about him enough, because he very well could make this roster at linebacker.
0: Yeah, with the issues, you know, with right now Pete Werner sidelined, the injury again now with Chase Hansen, the the rookie's definitely going to be getting more of these looks at that weak side linebacker spot. And, you know, he's definitely been capitalizing. Uh, Dennis Allen complimented him saying, obviously playing extremely hard, smart, instinctive kind of guy. And he can definitely continue to build on that going forward into this Chargers game Friday night, which is still uh, still a job interview for a lot of players on this roster. There's still a few few spots up for grabs. There's nothing set in stone there at linebacker, uh, the running back position. You know, another one. Yeah, there are real questions at linebacker
1: behind Demario, and assuming Pete Werner gets out there, Pete Werner, right? And there's no guarantees for any of these guys behind them, right? Chase Hansen, I think, made a really good statement in the first preseason game, but now he can't get back on the field. And that's been the story of his career. He's always hurt. So you never, you don't know. Like, I think that he probably is up toward the top of the like pecking order of who would make it. But if he can't, he's not healthy. He's not healthy, right? And then you have Zach Bond, who... I'm going to be honest. I don't see very much of a reason to keep him on this roster beyond the fact that you are com- you've already committed some money to him because he's a first round or a third round draft pick and some of that's guaranteed. Um, but I mean, just from a from from a you know statistical perspective and from the eye test, like I have seen nothing from him that makes me feel like he needs to stick around.
0: Yeah, I had you know some little inside notes on him personally for the game Green Bay. Obviously, because he was back home, I figured he'd you know be showing out. And it was either the third or fourth quarter. And I'm like, he's got to do something. I want to use this note, obviously, on the hometown guy. And finally, there was a play, you know, that happened. And, and I got to mention uh, something from my notes. But, yeah, I mean, this, he's, he's really been a special teams contributor, contributor. And you expect so much more from him. I, I don't know if he makes this roster. But I would think if he goes unclaimed, he ends up back on the practice squad at the very least.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's just tough because you're talking about a third round pick. That's a that's an investment, right? If, yeah if but if he was not a third round pick, you probably would say, why would we keep him? Right. And uh I saw the snap counts from after the game and he was on. I think he got like 16 snaps. And it's like you I would have believed you if you told me he didn't play at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I I did not. Not one time throughout that game was I like, oh, yeah, there's Zach Bond making a play, you know, and that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing when you have a guy like John Bostic who showed up that week and led the team in tackles, right? Eric Wilson has forced two turnovers in the preseason games. He tipped the pass that Chase Hansen intercepted against Houston, and he knocked the ball out that P.J. Williams recovered. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Eric Wilson, that P.J. Williams recovered against Green Bay, you know, and it's like you're trying to make a roster. Uh, which that guy's huge, by the way. We interviewed him for the first time today, and he's built. <laughs> That's a big dude. Yeah, he's got a lion on his shoulder. He and Abram Smith have both have both have the lion tattoos. I, I was going to ask him, but I ran out of time. You know, who has the better lion tattoo? It's I think Abrams I, Abrams has not beat. But you know, Eric Wilson's a guy who I think will make this roster, right? And so you probably have two from that group of you know Nephi, Eric Wilson, Chase Hansen, Zach Bond. Um, I'm missing one. Bostic, you said him, yeah, in Bostic, yeah, that's the other one, and it's just a matter of who puts that that foot forward, right? And right now, I think that the team is indicating that Nephi is right there, um,
0: and yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, definitely huge for him. Obviously, it was a little bit of a surprise seeing like yesterday in the dome was like, oh wow, he's he's running with the ones right now, and obviously with some of the injuries, uh, that's you know, it's not that big of a a jump for him right now. But uh, I'm also curious. We um with Caden Ellis as well, too. That's another linebacker. Yeah. And I think that, you know, he's gotten a lot of praise from Dennis Allen as well. After I that was after the one of the joint sessions that he really uh, went out of his way to praise his development in this season. Now he's a good player. I like, I like Caden a lot. I just think he has a, he has a
1: ceiling in terms of what he can do physically where big, some of these big other guys time effort guy for you though yeah and some of these other guys just from a from a potential perspective i think they have a higher ceiling
0: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, speaking of potential, one guy who has seen his role change completely um, in the last two days since the weekend, Kirk Merritt. Yeah, was now running back. back, Kirk Merritt. It was like the Saints just just fell in love with the idea of having a running back where a number in the 80s. And they were like, we don't have one anymore. So we're going to switch Kirk Merritt over to the running back room. And that's what they did. They waived Devine Zigbo, which I think in part was so that he could latch on with somebody else, which I think you told me he did. Yeah, with the Denver Broncos. So good for him. And that's, I I think Devine is a solid player. He should be on an NFL roster. You know, a team that some more availability on that. You know, I think the Saints are... A very deep team especially at the skill positions and you know that's a big reason why he wasn't really able to crack that nut but what Kirk provides at the running back position is a wide receiver at the running back position and he is built like a running back he's built a lot like Ty Montgomery um they look very similar and then now that he's in the backfield it's like seeing Ty Montgomery back there so I think if you if you can get lead special teams play out of Kirk And you have a guy who kind of can, can in a pinch play wide receiver, play running back either, or that's a really, a really good feather to have in your cap when you're just trying to figure out who that fourth running back is, because I don't think Abram Smith has done anything to really get me excited about his, his ability in his rookie season, you know, and maybe he's a practice squad guy, if you can stash him there, but like, and like a Tony Jones, if Dwayne Washington is your RB three, Then I think Kirk Merritt is your RB4, right? I think that that he's kind of supplanted Abram as that upside spot. But we'll see. We'll see a lot more in week three of the preseason against the Chargers, I think.
0: Yeah, and I feel like the Saints obviously invested a lot in Abram financially as an undrafted, you know, free agent. I know it's not crazy money, but still, um, I, I definitely think they still feel he's got something and would be curious if they don't put him on the roster if someone would want to swoop in and claim him and try to, you know, work them into, into their lineup or, or, you know, I don't know if Tony Jones Jr. Has even done enough where someone would be interested in snagging him as well. That's the, the running back competition is still very interesting.
1: Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know whether Dwayne was kept out because he was dinged up or if it was because they feel comfortable with him as the
0: RB three. Cause I think that there is a big difference there he did he did leave the Wednesday early and then Thursday kind of saw him hanging out by the speakers that were you know blaring the sound at practice. so he was at least present, but not not suited up or anything
1: right. and that's why I'm not quite sure right because if if Dwayne is the r b four, then I think that Tony Jones probably is the r b three right. I think that's kind of where you kind of make that Right determination, but we don't know whether he's dinged up or not because he hasn't been at practice the last two days either. So, if if he is not able to kind of put his foot forward to be that RB three, then I think it's Tony because I think when you look at the race and the competition that you have there, Tony was had pulled in front pretty pretty safely with his performance not only on the field, not only in, in the offense, but he had a tackle and an assist on special teams, and he returned kicks um and i think it's just when you're looking at those depth positions if you can do three four five things
0: it's much easier to keep you on the roster he would even had a better game it was that unfortunate drop um from Merritt, but seeing him i don't i see i don't call that a drop i think you have to fully lay out to catch a ball that's not a drop I don't know. I looked like he should have. I'd have to go back, I guess, and look at it again, but I felt like he should have had that one. I mean, he probably should have, but it would have been a spectacular catch, right? It's like if you're watching a
1: baseball game and it, would that have been an error? I don't know. Like, if you have right. to fully lay out, is it a catch like you make more than 50% of the time? I, I don't, like, like in the game when the announcers were talking about it, and again, I'm a huge John Stinchcombe fan. I wish he called more games. He's fantastic. Uh, but like they were talking about, it's like, oh, that's like a routine catch. It was like he, he was fully in the air or like stretch like that's a hard catch you know and it's like it wasn't i wouldn't if you have to dive for the ball it was not a perfect throw that's the other thing and like if you, you put it too far out in front of him because you want to get that guy in stride like if you throw it far enough where he he has only option is to dive and land and then get ta- and then get touched down then that's not a perfect throw anyway uh I, it would have been I, nice if he caught it i think he might not have been moved to running
0: back if he caught it <laughs> i did i did think um and i've maybe that that return on special teams really made somebody go, wait a minute, what about putting merit in in that Ty Montgomery slash running back wide receiver spot? And yeah, we're, we're seeing it now. And I think uh, that's definitely, we always hear the more you can do to make this roster is something that's huge for him and, you know, m- might put him you know, ahead of somebody else just because of that versatility.
1: And he looks really comfortable back there, too. That's the other thing. Like, he does not look out of his depth at all. He played running back at Destrehan. So he's familiar with the position. And he's built like a running back. Like, he's 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 built. Like, he's not going to get tackled and go and just break in half like a lot of the wide receivers. Like, if you put Chris Olave at running back, for example. Like, <laughs> it's not what you want to see. But we're going to talk a little more about Chris Olave in the third segment. Was there
0: anyone else you wanted to get to before we close out here? We mentioned Hurst last segment, and I think that's going to be something, obviously, we monitor the next couple practices we're able to see before this preseason game. I'm pretty sure even if he is out there, we're not going to see him at all in the preseason finale. There's no need for that, but uh, getting that offensive line set is obviously going to be key for the success of Jameis Winston as well, along with his health and getting more comfortable and, you know, acclimated with this offense. I, I definitely want to see that full array of weapons on the field with him in a live game situation. But I know that's not going to happen either against the Chargers. We're not going to see a Jarvis Landry or a Michael Thomas. We might see Jarvis. I think there's a
1: chance you see uh, the entire offense but Michael Thomas. Like, I think there's a chance we see Kamara for a series. I still think he's wrapped up in bubble wrap for week one. It's possible, but if you don't, I think they do want to get a first team running back out there. So you might see Ingram. Right. I, I think you're going to see that yeah, if Jameis doesn't go, then you're going to see Dalton for a series. And I think you want to see the actual first team offense because you haven't really seen even that first drive against Houston. It was the quote unquote first team offense, but it was Traquan and Marquez and Dwayne Washington. Right. So exactly. Yeah. I think there's no way in my opinion, Mike plays on Friday and I've, I think Jameis is going to lobby to play. I think he wants to play. So, I think there's a good chance you see a guy, you see a Jarvis, you see Alave again and uh we'll we'll go from there, but it's clear that this team is not putting a very high premium on preseason reps. No, I, and
0: I don't know. To to me, I guess I would think there would be a little more um, but it is just the preseason, and you don't want to see your guys getting hurt, obviously, and out for the year. But there's just, with so many new pieces, I just thought you'd want to get some of that continuity going. I would, too. And one guy who got a bit of continuity going this past week is Chris Olave, And we're going to dive into
1: his touchdown from Ian Book a little bit more because it didn't quite go as planned, but I, I thought it still showed a lot about why the Saints like Chris Olave. So stick around on Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be right back at you.